Well, good morning again, and uh, I'm going to ask you to do something. Uh, so if you see that QR code and you do not have our app, if you want the notes, if you want anything from today, then I'm going to ask you to scan that app, if, or that's, that QR code. Um, just take your phone out. It's okay. Nobody's going to be mad at you if you don't have the app already. And, uh, and scan the QR, just open up your photo app, scan the QR code. I will try and stand out of your way for a moment to get this. Uh, so we will only have the notes available on the app from this point forward. Uh, we, what we're finding is we are, just, uh, we are just wasting paper. You know, that's just what it comes down to. And, and I will tell you, we love trees, right? You know, so we like them for shade. We like them for the oxygen they give to us. And so uh, we just ask that you, you like them and love them as much as we do. So go ahead and download the app. Uh, this will take you directly to your app store. So whether you have an Apple phone or now, if you have a Windows phone, it's not going to work out for you. Uh, if you have a, one of these other phones, that's kind of weird. It's, it's not going to work out for you either. If you're still using a BlackBerry, it's definitely not going to work out for you. But then again, you should have upgraded like five years ago. And, all right. So, so if you open up to the first page of the app, you'll find, just hit the, the home dashboard on it, and you'll find that it says notes right on the, it says sermon notes. And so if you're going to follow along with us today, that is where it's going to be at. Uh, go ahead and go to the next slide up there. So we are in this series called Anthem of Hope. And uh, <laughs> I want to share with you, as uh, this has become looser and looser, I want to share with you kind of a, a mindset that I've, I, uh, my personal devotions have kind of led me into a new mindset, kind of led me into a little different direction. So I don't know about you, but I have been struggling. I, you know, uh, I want to, I, so I, first off, I need to admit to you, number one, I have an addiction. And so some of you have some addictions as well. My addiction, I don't want you to dive into this and be like, oh, Mike's got some addiction that he's getting ready to pour out and, and all of a sudden he's going to lay his soul out. That's not what I, that's not the addiction I'm talking about. I have an addiction with doing stuff, right? I, I always have to be doing something. I have to be like, so if I'm sitting at home and I'm just watching TV, I can zone out, but I'll start feeling guilty if I'm just, you know, if I'm, I have to be doing things. And the problem is, is that I don't care if I'm really doing productive things. I just have to be doing something. So I'm just like, I got to be doing something. I got to go out there. And so I'll get lost in stuff. Like I'll just dive into whatever it is that I'm working on. It could be a video. It could be a technical issue. It could be something. And I'll dive into that. And it takes me completely away from the work that God has asked me to do. And and see, when I first became a, when I first became a Christian and when I first became a pastor, I was on fire for God. I was. And I don't know if you felt the same way, but I was on fire. I was like, I, I have to go out and reach people. I have to go do these things. We, used to, we called this the edge because we are going to do things that no other church is going to do, and they're going to get right to the edge of what people would think would be acceptable in church, right? We want to reach people that nobody else is reaching. We want to reach those that are broken, those that are hurting. We want to reach those that, are, that, are, that were out partying last night and said, I'm still willing to come to church this morning. We want to reach those that, that are just so far from God because religion has been what bound them and, and we wanted to be able to build a relationship with them. So we wanted. So that's, that, everything about this was supposed to be built around relationships was never supposed to be built around 
hey, how are we going to do Sundays? How are we going to do this? How are we going to make it to where we do this extravagant service? How many more lights can we buy? How, big of a, how much bigger of a screen can I get? I think I can go a little higher and a little wider. How much more can I do to make it to where the church becomes so attractional that we have forgotten to be relational? See, that's one of the problems that Jesus, see, that's one of the problems that we misinterpret about Jesus is that he was never about an attractional model, right? He never, he, <laughs> can you imagine? He's giving the Sermon on the Mount. There's 5,000 men. Who knows how many women are there? There's 5,000 men. They don't have amplification. No amplification. And he's on the hill. And he's, so can you imagine being the 5,000 person in the back? What is he saying? What, what, what's happening back there? See, I can tell you that 5,000 person that was in the back didn't get the full message that the 12 had with Jesus because they had this discipleship. They had this relationship. They got to hang out with him. They hung out with one another. And see, what it's caused for me, I want to be honest with you, over this last couple of weeks, it's caused some anxiety for me. And the reason why it's caused some anxiety is because there are so many lost people. We have to get better at letting our hearts be broken for those who do not know Jesus. See, the the problem is we come into too much contact with people that do not have a relationship with Jesus. There's just too much of it. There's just too many encounters. There's too many times where you walk through the grocery store and you don't even, you just don't even, you don't even acknowledge that they may not have Jesus. And Jesus doesn't spill off of you. I had this, when I was a youth pastor, I did this, uh, this event or this game. I took two five-gallon buckets of water. I filled them all the way up to the, you know, you ever done this with your coffee cup? You fill it so high off the top to where there's a little bit of film on it. Like it's just sitting over the top of the cup. You're like, how is this actually happening? And as soon as you pick it up, you spill some, right? So you have to sip some off the top so you don't do that. Well, that's what I would do with these water bottles, these big five-gallon things of water. I would fill them all the way up to the top. And I would tell them, all right, let's race across. And whoever has the most water still in there, now mind you, this was great to watch because we had concrete floors. And the floors, as soon as you got wet, it became like a slip and slide. It was great. And so they would pick up these five-gallon buckets and they would start running and water would end up everywhere. And see, the thing is, that's how we're supposed to be with Jesus. As we're running, Jesus should be splashing off of us on people, on the floor, everywhere we're going, and that doesn't happen with us. And I, and I know that, and I know that uh, for most of us, we go, well, I don't know if I can live my faith out loud like that. But you're not even living your faith quietly sometimes. We're, we're just not even doing anything. We're, not, we're, just, we're just riding along being slow. And so for me, it's kind of forced this change of mindset of going, how do we get better at reaching people? What are we, we going to focus on? What are we going to do? What are going to be the changes? So if you guys haven't noticed, we haven't, I, so <laughs> I haven't been at, I, no advertising at all as a church, and we've always done advertising. We haven't done a single thing because we're going, hey, chances are big changes are coming here, and we don't want to, we, we're like, hey, let's, let's let those changes ride out. Let's see how we're going to land. And then let's start, let's start this process again. The thing is, is that that means that for us that are here now, those that are watching online, those that are being part of this, for this, that means that we need to start being ready to go out and do the work. And so I'm anxious about this because 
I don't know if we're all prepared to do the work that God has asked us to do. I don't know if we're prepared for it. I, I think that I like to go, hey, we're, I'm trying to, we're trying to offer preparation, we're trying to offer inspiration, we're trying to do that. And I really think that I've been offering too much entertainment as of late. And see, the problem is, is you leave out and you remember the jokes that I said, but you don't remember the scripture that I referenced. You know, and so, so the thing is, is that we, I have to get better at balancing that. I have to get better at making sure that we're trying to do what God has asked us to do. But I also have to make sure that I'm preparing you for this work that we're called to do. Because Jesus should be splashing off of you everywhere. Everywhere you go, Jesus should be splashing off of you. And so I, I have some anxiety about it. You know, I will tell you, as a young pastor, right, uh, if you go back and watch some of the sermons that I watch, you can go ahead. I want you to go look at how development happens when you focus on God. And so go back and watch one of them and just shake your head and go, I can't believe it. And so, but as a young pastor, I was unusually anxious. So I used to get up on stage and I would get up with a tremendous fear. When I get up there, I would be, my hands, I would be sweating. I would, like I'd get off stage and like when I sweat now, it's usually because it's good. I'm in the message. When I was sweating back then, it was even before I got on stage. It was just pouring off of me. I was like, what is going on? And like the weight of the world was on my shoulders that I was your savior. That's, that's how I felt. I was like, if they don't get this message from me, I don't know what's going to happen. And so I had this overwhelming uneasiness. And see, as time and time and time got on, and, I, and as I got older, I started to understand that it's not me. It's not me at all. See, this, all my job is to point you to the one that saves. That's it. That's all my job is. My job is to point you to Jesus. And so it helped that I became more and more comfortable. I became, you know, one with time, it becomes more and more comfortable. Two, what, you, you just start to go, I'm not responsible for that. And so it changes things. See, and, and I think that I would talk to people, I would talk to even other pastors, and they go, you know, my Christians, and especially pastors, should never have anxiety. So they tell me, you should never be anxious about it. You, sh you should just give it to God. You know, and I'm sure that most of us have heard this. You should just give it to God. And then they would quote Philippians 4.4. Just, we just played it up here, right? Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let it be, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then verse 6 comes out, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, okay, wait a minute here. Some of us in this room right now are deflated. Some of us are hurt. Some of us are angry. And here this is, do not be anxious about anything. Here we are, we're struggling. Is it even possible not to be anxious as you're going through that? Just think about this. Some of you right now are going, I got bills to pay, kids to raise, and I've got relationship issues at home. I've got health challenges, job stress, inflation. How much is a gallon of milk going to cost tomorrow? That is what's going through our minds. That's what's happening. That's the struggles that we're going through. How am I going to get it all done? How's this going to happen? And then I tell you not to be anxious. And, and the problem is most of us in this room have some anxiety of some level. Some of us just handle it better. What I want you to know, if you do feel anxious, you're not alone. I, I, you know, it's just, you're not. So I want you to look at this. In 2019, two out of three Americans said they were anxious or extremely anxious. Two out of three, 66% of America said, we are anxious. We, 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 I'm just stressing over this. And now through the pandemic, it's gotten even worse. It's gotten to this point 
where there's no studies about it yet, but it's, you know that it's gotten worse because as you talk to people, they're like, I don't know, it's still got COVID out there. COVID's always going to be here, by the way. Always going to be here. In case you didn't know, Corona, so COVID-19, there was 18 versions beforehand. I, I don't know if there was 18, but it sounded good. <laughs> there actually was a bunch more versions, by the way. It's not, it's not just some new thing. There was a bunch. I don't know if there was 18, but there was a bunch of other versions of it. It just didn't do what this one did. You know, here's the thing. 91% of high school students and college students report consistent and significant levels of anxiety associated with stress. I, I, just think about this. We're sending our kids to school and we're teaching them how to be stressed out. You know, here's the thing. I, I, I just, I, it, and you could have a whole different parenting skills. I don't care, right? But I want you to know something is that we send our children to school and they're there usually for six to seven hours, right? And then they send them home with at least another three or four hours of homework. So here's the problem. At your job, they send you there for eight hours and send you home and go by. Why is it that our schools are teaching our children to become workaholics and stressing them out when they're, when they're 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, instead of just going, we'll teach you in class? You know, it's, it's, it's so difficult on our students. And again, if you might be a complete person, go do that homework, go in your room. I don't want to see you until dinner time or even bath time or whatever. You might be that person. But I'm telling you is that we are causing our kids to be overly stressed out because the amount of work that we're giving to them, and it's nonsense, by the way. Some of the classes that our kids are taking, again, personal rant from Mike, some of the classes that our kids are taking have nothing to do with what they're doing when they graduate. I, I, you know, I took trigonometry. I very rarely use it, if ever, and if I needed to, I could use Google to figure it out. You know, I, I'm just telling you, there's just things out there that you just gotta figure out and go, why are we putting so much stress on our children? Why are we doing this? You know, and see, I, I want you also to understand that it's complex. Like, anxiety is complex. There's all different points on the anxiety spectrum. You know, some people, they're like, I don't have any at all. Some have it occasionally. Some have just some uneasiness. They're like, mm, I feel a little uneasy about what we're doing here today. And some people are like, they just experience this extreme discomfort. And if you're like my wife, she has like this weird thing that if something is going wrong, she goes, I think I'm getting ready to have a heart attack. I don't know if you've ever experienced that with anybody where they go, my heart's going to come out of my chest and you take their pulse and you're like, hey, it's only at 75. You know, I don't know what's going on in your head right now, but she's like, I, don't, I just don't understand. I don't know what's going on and see things trigger it. Sometimes it's a test. Sometimes it's a presentation. Sometimes it's just the social situation. It's really one of these things that anxiety factors in so many different places. See, and then there's other people that have these crushing and debilitating, this dread. It ends up with a shortness of breath, heart rate increases, your walls feel like they're closing in on you, and you can't function in a normal capacity. So what I want you to know is that God cares, and he wants to help you with it. He does. He cares, and he wants to help you with it. And so what we're going to ask him to do is help direct my anxious mind. Help direct that. Help me to, you know, and see, there's a powerful example of this with dealing with anxiety in 2 Chronicles 20. So if you want to open up your Bible to 2 Chronicles, verse 20, and I'm going to give you a little bit of background here. So Jehoshaphat is the fourth king of Judah, and Judah is the southern kingdom of Israel. So if you remember this, 
the, the kingdoms are all broken up, and so what ends up happening is the tribes come back together. You end up with the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. This is the southern kingdom of Israel. One of the best kings. He's tremendously faithful, and he faithfully follows God. And see, Judah's enemies, at this time, the Moabites, the, the Amabites, the, you know, the Mennonites, the, I don't know what else, the Mosbites, I don't know what else we can come up with, but these three nations team up to attack judah and and so you get to this point where this this group teams up and, and and jehoshaphat goes this is going to be too much to bear we're going to struggle we're going to lose we're going to have these things that are going to come up and see for, for a lot of us this is the exact same thing they had three armies coming at them and so some of us we have three different events happening we might have this terrible boss that's causing stress, car breaks down, the finances are tight, our marriage is bad, and there's no time to take the car in, there's no place, to, you can't go on a diet because you love donuts so much, and your kids are, are you're, they're just struggling through other things, and you're trying to go, how do I educate them, how do I get this least care, you're just trying to postpone the inevitable, right, and you're behind on bills. That's where some of us are. And the matters are, is that as, as, Jesus, as Christians, we're going up this while we're struggling through this you got people are going they're like hey your car broke down your finances are tight your marriage is struggling you know what you need to do you need to give it to jesus you know that's that's what they tell us just give your life to jesus see what i want you to know anxiety is not a sin anxiety is not a sin and the reason why i want you to know this is because look at jesus in the garden jesus in the garden knows that he's getting ready to go through suffering knows it He's in agony over this. Like he's like, and he even asked, he even asked God, he goes, is there another way? <laughs> you know, can you take this cup of suffering from me? I'm not really for this. I, I, I just, can you take this from me? So it shows you that anxiety is not a sin, but it's a symptom and a signal to you. Your brain is kind of telling you something. It's like, hey, how many of us in your car, when the red light comes on, it says check engine, do so you go, hey, I think I'm going to drive another 100,000 miles with this check engine light on, right? And if you are, you're absolutely wrong. By the way, you, you should ne you should, it's the time now to go get a code reader and start looking at it, go talk to a mechanic, do anything, because your car <laughs> is struggling, right? That's what's happening. You know, at least figure out why it's struggling. So, but it's the same thing. When you have anxiety, your body is struggling. It's trying to tell you something. Something is wrong. We have to fix this. What are you going to do? See, anxiety isn't a sin. It's a signal alerting you. It's like, hey, we need to do this. And I want you, I'm going to give you the secret right now. That anxiety, that signal that you're getting, here's the answer. That signal means it's time to pray. It's the, simple, it's the simplest thing. When you start to face anxiety, you take a deep breath and start to spend some time with God. It's time to pray. That's what it's called to do. So verse 3. So 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3. It says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. Go back to this. Was God standing there next to him? Was God, so he begged God for guidance. He begged him because he goes, God, he's spending time in prayer. He's begging him. And he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. And so he, he's literally going, you're, you're, struggle, you're struggling with anxiety Spend time in prayer and get to fasting because you know what fasting causes you to do? It causes you to rely on God. It causes you to rely on what he's trying to tell you to do, what he's trying to direct your steps. 
and it causes you to give up your, your, your meal nourishment and seek God for that spiritual nourishment. And, and see, we're not doing that. We, don't, we nowhere do this often enough. We, I don't even, I go, hey, let's do fasting at the beginning of the year. And maybe 10% of you do it. Fasting should be happening on a regular basis. We should spend time fasting so that way we can hear God's voice. We, we, see, we don't, we're not spending enough time. I can tell you right now, we're not spending enough time in, in the Word. We're not spending enough time in prayer. We're not spending enough time. And I know that some of you are going, Mike, you just don't understand. I'm spending all this time in it. That it's probably still not enough. It's probably still not enough. Verse 6. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, powerful and might in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Verse 9, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague of famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in distress, and you will hear and save us. You will hear and save us. Second Chronicles it's verse 20, verses 6 and 9. And so... When you start to see this and when you hear this, and when you start to, they're crying out, God, God, direct us. And he's saying, the Lord of all of our ancestors, are you not the God in heaven? Help, hear the cry of your people, hear the cries of our heart, hear the cries of who we are and save us. That's what the calling is. Dr. Karen Leaf, Carolyn Leaf, I'm sorry, she's an author, and she wrote a book called Switch on Your Brain. And if you go, you can find it on the web or whatever. And so here's what she put. Uh, it, she said, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. I, I, literally, 12 minutes of prayer. 12 minutes of prayer can change your mind so fundamentally that they can actually see the difference on a brain scan. You, you, see, not only does prayer touch the heart of God, but prayer changes the chemistry of your brain. It's crazy that we, that we don't spend enough time with God. We're just talking 12 minutes. Anybody, if you have an, if I have an Apple Watch. Anybody have an Apple Watch in here? And so if you happen to have an Apple Watch, every day I get one of these reminders that goes, Spend a moment, it, you know, it tells me to, to meditate, take a moment, you know, and I, what do I do? Ignore, you know, and see, that's, it's always the wrong time. it is, it's always at the wrong time, it always shows up, I'm right, you know, and so <laughs> I had to Google it, I go, why is it sending me this notification now? And, and so because it, knowing, it picks up and it goes, hey, you're anxious, your heart rate's gone up, this has happened, it, it, it can tell if you're, your watch can tell if you're sweating more, it, it's crazy, that what we put on there and so it's going hey maybe you should take a break that's the same thing that we should go maybe i should spend some more time with god you can when it gives you the mindfulness reminder you can just go oh it's time for me to pray instead of going it's time for me to, to just meditate on nothing it's time for me to spend time with god i need to i'm trying to change the chemistry of my brain see the thing is this is exciting news and some of you are like wow i didn't know that the problem is is that our brain is not fixed, right? It, it's, it's a problem that our brain is not fixed, to be honest with you. It changes. It's called neuroplasticity, is what, the, is what changes this. And when something goes wrong, 
the, the, your brain sends an alarm, right? And what happens is when that alarm goes off, we dwell on the alarm. We go, we go straight to the alarm and go, what is going on? What's happening here? What are we dealing with here? Instead of going, how do we fix this? And see, if we're going to dwell on the alarm, of course you're going to have anxiety because you're focused on the alarm rather than being focused on God, right? If we're not focused on God, we're focused on whatever the problem is, and then we're go our brain change. Well, that's normal behavior. We're going to change it to that. We're going to be changed to, we're always going to focus on the alarm instead of always focusing on God. That's what happens. The word most used in the Bible for the word anxiety. So if you ever see, like when you start to go, what is anxiety? When it's in the Bible, it's actually Mary no. And, uh, and it means to be dwelling or pondering on fearful or anxious thoughts is what it means. And so when we're meditating, when we're focusing on the negative, we're training our brain to be, uh, to be anxious. Because that's what we do. We focus on the, ne the negative. We, it's natural to think of what could go wrong. See, here's, I was listening to somebody's conversation. Maybe it was recently. I, I, maybe the last day or two. I don't, I don't even remember whose conversation. I don't even remember what they were talking about. But here's the thing. Their whole focus was on what could go wrong instead of what could go right. The whole focus was on this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, instead of looking at what could go right. You know, and we don't look at, and we, we tend to go, uh, you know, this could go wrong. And so it stops us from being bold. It stops us from doing what God has called us to do. It stops us from stepping out and going, God, use me. Because we're going, this could go wrong. I could lose my job. I could have this. I could have that happen. I could have whatever it is. And all of a sudden, we are focusing on the negatives rather than what God has called us to do and stepping into that. That's what happens. We lose the, and see prayer changes that when we go back to prayer we focus on that in second chronicles 20 verse 12 it says for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us the army that's in your brain you have no power against and you have to seek god in prayer it says we do not know what to do but our eyes are on you and here's what it comes down to and then we see this we're looking to you we're trusting you and i'm going to jump i'm going to jump all whole different section in 1 Peter 5, 7, it, it comes out and says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares for you. I, I tell you guys this, and I've said this often, if it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. And if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. That's where we need to get back to. It's not a sin, it's a signal inviting you to cry out to the one and to God who saves. That's what it is. That's what it's calling you to do. So pray. Then what? Right? I hear it. Mike, I, I, okay, I'm praying. But, you know, are you like me? You give it to God, and you go, no, 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 God, I got, a, I got a better way to take care of that. Give that back to me. That's what happens. We take it back. We give it to God, we take it back. See, anxiety is the signal. It's time to pray. And then what? And then it's time to pause. See, <laughs> look at what Jehoshaphat does after prayer. Verse 12, so we're going back to 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12 and 13. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. It didn't say they ran off to different places. It didn't say they said to go do this. It didn't say any of those things. It said they ran and they stood before the God. They didn't sleep. They didn't fall asleep at a table. They didn't do any of those things. 
They stood before the Lord and they said, what will you have us do? Which direction will you have us go? So, and, and, and I have a problem. I just told you at the beginning of this. I just can't stand there, right? I have to do something. But the do something is just to stand there. That, that's the something. That, that's actually a task. It's actually harder than what you think it is. Could, <laughs> Psalms 46.10. How many of us know this one? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Do you know how hard it is to be still? That is a task. It's harder than actually doing a lot of other things. It's easy for me to pick up a couch and move it. I can just throw it up on my shoulder, whole couch. I don't need anybody else's help. Walk it out, maneuver through the doorway, everything. Now, if you've got a sofa couch, we're going we're to have a different conversation. But I can do that. Just to stand still? Ooh, how long? How long are you need me to do this? Because like, I, I, I'm going to have a hard time. My, my, my brain doesn't work that way. Do you know that when I go on vacation, it takes about four days for me to stop worrying about church? Like, I, it takes about four days before, I worry, but before I'm done. The problem is, then I start relaxing, and then I'm like, ooh, I don't like this. It's time for me to go back and worry about church some more. I got to get back to church. I got to get back to what we're doing. I got to do this. So be still is doing something. So here's what we're called to do. Don't just, you know, just... Yeah, stand there, do something. Be still. So, you might be going, so Mike, what you're telling me to do is to pray, to wait, and then to do nothing. And God will heal my anxiety. That's what I'm telling you to do, right? That's what you hear. Possibly I'm telling you that, but maybe not. Possibly I'm saying that. See, you might get supernatural healing at that point, or you might get guidance right? It, you never know what's going to happen. You may get a healing, you may get guidance. So I, I, I'll tell you is that sometimes you might read a Bible verse and get a different direction. Sometimes you need to change your diet in order to get a different direction, right? Sometimes we have to do something different. You know, sometimes we need to go get a prescription to normalize our brain. You know, so sometimes you, your counselor will explore the root of the problem, what's going on, and then will help you retrain your brain behavior. And, and so you just got to figure out and go, okay, well, what is it going to be? So sometimes you have to do some things. It says in this here, in this particular situation, it says, while they waited, the spirit of the Lord came upon them and said, verse 15, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours, but God's go out and face them tomorrow. And the Lord will be with you. So that's second Chronicles verses 15 and 17. So sometimes you'll catch me jumping around in here. He's saying, do not be afraid. The battle belongs to the Lord. Go out and face it. Go deal with it, and he'll be with you. See, I'm going to go back to this. Anxiety is not a sin. It's a signal alerting you. It's time to pray, and it's time to pause. What comes after that? It's time to praise. It's time to praise. See, when you look at this, Jehoshaphat prayed. He paused, and then he praised. And he sent worshipers ahead of the army. So when you read this, he sends out worshipers. He didn't send out John Cena and The Rock and Vin Diesel, right? He didn't, he didn't send out these action stars. You know, Mark, Mark Wahlberg didn't show up with a, any of those things. He sent out Matt Redman, Chris Tomlin, and Carrie Job. That's who he sends out to the, he goes, hey, I want you to go out there. I want you to go do this. And see, here's what happens is that the armies turned upon one another and started destroying themselves, they're like, hey, that worship's so good. Here's this axe. You know, and they started, you know, it, it's like they turned on themselves and all of them wiped out the balance of them. It's just, 
See, they praised. They didn't just praise after the victory. They praised before the victory, right? They, they were praising before this. It's easy when your enemies are dead to praise. It's easy then. It's like, woo look at what God did. It's hard to praise God before all the dead bodies start to flow by. It is. It's hard. It's hard to praise God before the blessings, before the provisions, before the anxiety is gone. It's hard to do it. So here's what it says. 2 Chronicles 20, 29, and 30. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Just think about this. Come on. And so, just think about this. Is that last week we talked about when you're facing these breakdowns, when you're facing these things, that we said to, to pray, to pause, and to praise. That's what we said. Counseling, breathing, memorizing scripture. Pray, pause, pray. Uh, pray, pause, praise. You see, God has given... A, us rest on every side see some of us we've been in these fights and we've been in the fights of our lives and we've been struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling and and see what we forget is that as we may have enemies all around us god surrounds us and, and as we fight our battles you can go ahead and start as we fight our battles as we struggle as we have things going on we may look like we're surrounded we may be looking like we're surrounded by by the enemy, we may be looking like we're surrounded in these different things, but in reality, we are surrounded by God. And so when you start to see this, let's go back to the simplistic thing. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. It says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the battle is yours. It is not yours, but it's God's. The Lord will be with you. It says to pray, to pause, and to praise. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you to stand. The song, as we're going to worship, as we worship out, this is how we're going to do this. We're going to worship out any anxiety that you have, anything that you have on your heart, anything that you're struggling with, anything that you have going on, now is the time to praise your way through it. It's time for something different to happen. It's time for us to, to really give it to God. Whatever your enemy is, whatever it is that you have, it's time to go, I know that you surround me, God, and I know that you'll take this from me.
but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. Come on. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. Sing it out like you mean it. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. Yes, yes, yes. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that no matter our circumstance that we are facing, when it seems like the anxiety and the fear are closing in on us, God, I pray that we would just remember that you, Lord, are the one that is surrounding us. You have a hedge of protection around us, God, and it is not our battle, but it is yours. So I pray, God, that each one of us would walk out of here would, as we go back to the mission field, Lord, that we would remember that you are there, that you are fighting every battle, that all we need to do is come to you, Lord. We need to pray, we need to pause, and we need to praise you, even before the victory, God, because we know what the victory will be. We already know what the ending is, God, because we know that you have gone before us and you have fought that battle and you have won. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done today. Thank you for the change in perspective. Thank you for the understanding. And thank you for just the realization that just because we have fears, just because we have anxiety doesn't mean that we don't have you. Thank you, Lord. And we pray all of this in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. That was so good. All right, you guys. Well, we thank you so much for being here today. And know that you guys aren't in this alone. And I know we say we're on the edge together every single week. But I think sometimes we don't realize that we're really honest about that. And if you're having struggles and you're having issues and you need to talk to find somebody, us. find one of us. Find somebody you feel comfortable talking to. Um, and let's pray and let's talk. And, and there is no judgment here. We're just here to love you and to point you to Jesus. Amen. All right, so I'm going to say it again, and I want you all to join me and believe what you're saying. Don't forget that we are on the edge together. Have a blessed Sunday and a blessed week, you guys.